Matthew and chapter 5, we read from verse 2 to verse 12. Matthew chapter 5, verse 2 to verse 12. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Verse 9, blessed are those who, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. This afternoon, a question as we reflect on verse 9. Are you a peacemaker or a troublemaker or a warmonger? Are you a peacemaker or a troublemaker or a warmonger? Billy Graham, in one of his written works, quoted by Leon Morris, observed that this world solely needs peacemakers by citing the numbers of wars fought by various nations from 1480 to 1941. In that period of 461 years, he recorded that Britain had fought 78 wars, France had fought 71, Spain 64, Russia 61, Austria 52, Germany 23, China 11, Japan 9, the US 13, plus 110 with the Indians within the US. Blanchard states, it has been estimated that in the last 4,000 years, there has been less than 300 years of peace. In the last 4,000 years, there has been less than 300 years of peace. And MacArthur commenting on that observation, he categorizes as those, those 300 years of peace as periods of reloads. So the only reason they rested was to restock up on ammunition, prepare again to go to war. 
and the war began. Overall, we're not in a world that pursues peace and live in peace. And yet everybody when asked, would you like peace? We will also, we will all say yes we do. Do you want to be children of God except for some stubborn atheists and others? We will probably also say yes. That's peace on the world level. We have many organizations created bring about peace. I would guess that the assessment between 1480-1941, beginning from 1942 to date, there has probably been many wars than during that period. We've, we, we do not have a record of Africa here. This is simply a record of the Western world, but not even a whole exhaustive list. So that in the context of verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. If you observe the word that is used for peace there, it's a general word. It's a word that may mean peace between God and humanity, a word that may mean peace between people, one person and another. It's a word that may mean peace within a certain organization and in the context of the disciples, between believers in the context of church. But it is peace general. But my focus will be this morning, peace within the church and believers. Peace among believers and in the context of the church. If we also sought to do a list and do a research how much fightings go on in churches, in organizations, we would be surprised. There is much more fightings as opposed to pursuing peace, even where there appears to be apparent appearance of peace, there is not so much peace. In that gloomy context, are you a peacemaker or a warmonger? Do you promote harmony or you promote fightings and dissensions and uh, disharmony among the saints. Focusing on that verse, three lessons, two brief ones, one extended. We have begun, or we began to deal with the subject of peace in considering one of the names of the Lord Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. So there is a sense in which that subject continues and it's simply answering this question, who ultimately is the source of peace? Whatever peace we may want to pursue, and the answer is Christ. The first lesson that we learn as an invitation as taught in that beatitude is simply this, that peacemaking, like being merciful, centers around relationships. Peacemaking, 
Like being merciful centers around relationships. I think that's the sense that the Lord Jesus is basically indicating and underlying here. It is possible not to have peace within. I think the beatitude is an invitation to promoting peace so that harmonious relationships would exist among a community, a family, a nation, a body, and that community would be the church or disciples. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. In this context, it connotes or it denotes or signifies both peace by way of relationship with God and peace with one another. And we are called to make peace, to be peacemakers in that sense. That where human beings have no peace with God, we must pursue peacemaking between these individuals and God. And our responsibility will be to persuade the estranged, the enemies of God, to be reconciled to God. At that same front must be pursued among men. Apologize for this brief. Uh, I needed to make the announcement. Uh, now, it's not only Danny that is going to Cyprus. Where's the other gentleman? Is he here? Okay, he's not. So that's probably okay. I think there is two uh, of uh, people here. I'm not sure about the membership of the other, but he also takes up to Cyprus like Danny on Wednesday. Peace with God and peace with man is what that statement is inviting us to pursue. Be peacemakers. Peace with man results or flows from peace with God. So that in the order of priority that we must pursue a promotion of peace, a peacemaking between human beings and their creator. Because it's from that source, from that primary establishment of peace, that if there is to be any real, permanent, genuine, clear, outline peace between human beings, it must come or flow from the peace that exists between man and God. So peace, peace with man, that is between fellow human beings, flows, results from the peace between God and man. Peace with God comes through the ultimate peacemaker, the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1 verse 20. Simply underlining that the ultimate source of peace is the Lord Jesus Christ. And there will be other portions of God's word we will read. Picking up from verse 19. 
for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether on earth or in heaven making peace by the blood of his cross notice the comprehensivity of this pursuit of peace in Christ through Christ and by Christ here is how verse 20 reads and through him to reconcile to himself all things to bring about a peaceful existence between God and all created things but between the created things themselves and then he qualifies that whether on earth or in heaven making peace by the blood of his cross if there is to be any peace it must be a peace that comes because of the work of Christ and that was all under peace making like being merciful centers around relationships and the first point of argument or proof or evidence is simply that it denotes this peace denotes peace with God and peace with man the supreme peacemaking in this sense therefore is the proclamation of the gospel as a process the supreme peacemaking process is the proclamation of the gospel one of the failures of the world is that we pursue in peace from wrong sources why is afghanistan still at war why is sudan even when the country has been divided why is south sudan still fighting why do we rise up against one another as the recent events not only in south africa but as a ripple effect here at home in nigeria and in some other countries why even when our leaders stand up and say let's not retaliate we still do why is there no harmonious existence between the leaders and the led it is because in many situations the supreme process of pursuing peace is not the process that is pursued that process is the proclamation of the gospel so that there is a sense in which we must say that unless we proclaim the gospel the reality and experience of peace here on earth will be but an illusion unless the gospel message is announced there will be no peace between political parties even when they call for a ceasefire during elections there will still be casualties why would that be because the reason and the process used the method the means will be misplaced or not the most effective 
I was hoping there would be grace supplement here, uh, but there isn't. You read uh, song number 62 from the supplement, you have there, Christ announced as the supreme provider of peace. True peacemaking is only true in the one who is our peace. Jesus Christ. Therefore, the peacemakers of Matthew 5 verse 9 are those who having experienced peace with God are agents of establishing peace in their families, their community, in the church and the world by proclaiming the gospel and living out the gospel in all its explicities and implicities. I'm not sure whether those are correct English words, but they communicated the sense to me. Explicities, what is implied, are explicitly stated, what is directly stated as a result of having experienced the gospel, and implicities, what is implied in how we must live the gospel message. Those would be the peacemakers. At the very basic, the very primary, the very foundation, the peacemakers of Matthew 5 verse 9 are those who, one, have experienced peace with God themselves. And because they have experienced this peace with God, they have become agents of establishing this peace in their families, communities, in the church, and the world, and who employ the methods through and by which they themselves experience this peace, the gospel, they proclaim this gospel, not only by words, but by their lifestyle, by their lifestyle directly commanded and indirectly demanded of them by the gospel. It is such ones that will be called sons of God. In that context then, are we peacemakers? In that context then, are we peacemakers? Are we people that are saddened by hostilities in families, church life. One of my prayers in my Christian life and pastoral ministry is to overall, by and large, have church business meetings that when people come at the end, nobody is going out with a frown. Touch land away. How can they not point at me? There is one individual that's his main complaint. This particular church has instituted a rule, not sure how biblical it is, but in this particular church, in a quarterly business meeting, you can only ask four questions. So only four people are asked. Maybe we should think of one like that. Only four people must ask. And there is a feather, a caveat to that rule. If you asked in the previous meeting, you can't ask in this one. Uh, would be a good church, won't we? 
and the complaint of one individual is that these elders are completely unelderly. So almost every church meeting they would have, that there will be others that will come out offended either by the rule or because they asked in the previous one and therefore they had a burning question they must ask in the next one and we just look at our brother Harold, no matter how high the hand, we just look and pass and say, yes, I'm Sonda. And Harold is thinking, okay, is it because I'm different? Hopefully there will be a time even the type of debate that it is peace promoting that would be said to be peacemakers. One pastor friend of mine we're discussing this church business meeting and I said to him when is the last time your church had a business meeting and says in we've never had one in the last two years and I said to him why? Uh, we don't want fights we don't want, especially on money. So I just told the church, no meeting. And I needed to remind him that, by the way, a Baptist church. Uh, a Baptist church is governed by congregational church government. We can discuss which one, the extreme or the middle or the farthest sound. Uh, but it's governed by, so you must have a platform where members just in case you're thinking, what are the extremes? There is a proper congregational government which is purely democratic. Uh, so the leadership are simply a rubber stamp. They, they have no authority. I'm not sure that's biblical. Uh, the other extreme is where the elders, uh, their voice is the word of God. I think we can go there. Uh, that's a good place. Uh, the middle one is the elders do actually rule with true biblical members of thought. And it's a balance of the two. But in this particular church, they did have a business meeting for two years. And the problem was, it's simply a recipe for hostilities, for fighting, for all kinds of hatred. Well, the text, if you belong to that church, in that ministry, in that community, you called upon to be a peacemaker. But for you to do this part, you must yourself have experienced. And you are an agent in pursuing the right process. So the peace being promoted is not at the expense of truth. The peace being pursued is not artificial. The peace being promoted is not just shushing people up. It's genuine, biblical, peace-sound relationships. It's possible to go to a meeting of reconciliation and you talk to the two parties, maybe husband and wife as a pastor, you say, so what was wrong? And Mukupa says, this American guy beats me. Oh, we pray that doesn't happen. But then you want to reconcile them. And in your presence they say, no, it's okay. I think we've heard, Pastor, it's, it's absolutely nice. The moment, you, the moment you're out of the door, they look at each other and say, you think that, you, I'll kill you one day. There is no peace. That's artificial. This is peace. It's genuine. Yes, you may have been offended. You may have been hurt. 
clear, clear damage may have been done. But when this peace is made, genuine reconciliation takes place. A harmonious relationship that builds to getting better step by step is realized. It is sad in churches today, the very least place where this must be, that we probably still have enemies in church. We have people with whom we do not talk. When we talk to them, it's simply acting. We smile on with the lips, the teeth are gnashing. That's us. Now the text says pursue. Pursue peace. I would therefore like to challenge you. Please, if you have any undealt with issues, Pursue peace. Look for some peacemaker. Work on it. Deal with it. If this is something you can't work on yourselves, identify some people that would be called peacemakers because that's a characteristic of God's children. Peacemaking, like being merciful, centers around relationships. Sometimes this shows up itself in very ugly ways. An example of ministries, you may have a ministry that is saying, let's do this. You all agree. But when the day comes, half the members are not there. And the reason is because the ones that are probably announcing this too loudly, they don't see eye to eye and they stay away. There is no harmonious relationships. If that's true, let's ask God, the source of peace, to provide us with peacemakers. Second lesson from verse 9 of Matthew 5 is that the focus of our Savior in this text is the healing of divisions in the community life of the church and beyond. The focus of our Savior in this text is the healing of divisions in the community life of the church and beyond. You go back to verse 1 of chapter 5, here is what we read. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, the first community and group of application are the disciples, whatever disciple means there. And it's not just for them, it's beyond this group. The significance of peacemakers must be sought in the context of salvation and the church. Jesus in this beatitude is not talking about peacekeepers peacemakers, people who end hostilities and bring the quarrelsome together. And this is not a select few. This is an admonition to all of us as God's sons. That, that must be our attitude. That must be our practice. That is what we must be laboring to do primary call of this beatitude therefore 
is to be like Christ in this distinctive being highlighted here and the distinctive is a distinctive of reconciling the parties at enmity the warring parties the parties whose relationships are not harmonious that's the core blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God the primary core of this beatitude the Christ-like distinctive being highlighted here is reconciliation. The restoring of broken or strained relationships. James chapter 3 verse 18 speaks to that subject matter. Worship that ignores reconciliation is hypocrisy and is abominable to God. In the same chapter 25, verse 22 and 24 verse 22 through to 24 here is what we read in the same sermon on the mount we'll come across this at some point but picking up at verse 21 simply supporting the statement I've made that worship that ignores reconciliation is hypocritical and is abominable to God in the context of anger, we read verse 21, chapter 5 of Matthew. If you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. You have heard. I'm not sure where I got the if. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother be liable to judgment whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council and whoever says you fool be liable to the hell of fire so if that's the consequence in other words if there is no sound relationship and you're in a context of worship you you hate your brother you angry with your brother you insulting your brother you you undignifiedly treating your brothers so Verse 23, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift therefore, there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. You've come to the altar there is an animal in the context of the temple you about to slaughter it or the priest is about to help you to slaughter it and in that process you remember that your relationship with the brother is not sound your brother something against you something against your brother remember that your brother something against you the injunction stop the act of worship go and make peace then when that is done, come and worship. That's how important this peacemaking. In other words, the Lord Jesus continues to say that there are contexts in which I'll give us examples in which you must pursue peacemaking. Pretending to be a sound worship and you're excited and you come with all you have and you're giving to the Lord, but your relationships 
are not sound. The Lord Jesus is basically saying the priority has been reversed. You cannot, he would be saying here, genuinely and sincerely with a clear mind worship me when you are at loggerheads. And your brother has something against you. It doesn't even qualify whether that which is against a person is genuine or not. Simply remember, go and make peace. Be reconciled. And this is on you. You'll be a peacemaker. Only then can you come and finish the act of worship. Peace is promoted and made when we all heed our Savior's injunction in Mark chapter 9 verse 50. The thrust is really on peacemaking, assuming we understand what peace is, and peace is promoted and made when we all heed our Savior's injunction in Mark 9 verse 50. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with each other. That's the injunction. Be at peace. Maintain these relationships when they are broken. Pursue the peacemaking process. But only when we heed our Savior's injunction in Mark 9.50, but also when we heed the Apostle Paul's call in Romans 12 verse 18. Peace is promoted and made when we heed also the Apostle Paul's call in Romans 12 verse 18. In the ESV, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. The NIV, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. The New Living Translation, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. In the language of our text, be a peacemaker at all costs. Do your best. When it fails, you must not be the cause. It must be said of you, you've done what you could. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Not only can peace be promoted and made when we pursue the Savior's call, the Apostle Paul's call, but the Apostle Peter also calls us to this subject of peace. 1 Peter 3, verse 10 to 11. This can only be promoted and made when we heed to the Savior's call. And obviously his apostles among them, Paul and Peter, we read in 1 Peter 3, 10, 11, for whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. And there is another thing that must be done. And notice that the main thing is that whoever desires to love life and see good days, here are the things you do. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. The second verse 11, turn away from evil and do good. With the third one, let him seek peace 
and pursue it. Let him seek peace and pursue it. You desire to love life and see good days? Well, among the things you must pursue is peacemaking. The truth taught from the above passages of scripture that is Mark, Romans, and First Peter, and other, a whole host of them. The truth being taught from the above passages, including our main text, Matthew 5, 9, implied in Matthew 5, 9 is that peacemaking takes personal and corporate deliberate effort. Peace will never come automatically. It is something that we must work at. You probably have been in a situation where you're trying hard and it's not working. The inclination is to stop. Listen to the Apostle Paul. Do all that you can. Work hard. Work hard. I was saying to my wife, and she warned me not to say this, but I'm saying it. I trust this church has no gossipers. If my wife hears about it, uh, it's going to be somebody else's fault. In the Bible study with the uh, 18s to 20, I think 25, I said there, there are some people who change twice a day. And when I got home, I was taught how can you clash like this? Brown trousers, gray necktie, so being a good husband I am, I changed. So if you are from my study group, that's the reason. That's sorted out. But there is even a big one. I pursue peacemaking. I don't want to go back home in the brown trousers and she said, oh, so I'm watching work on Ashland. Then you begin to say, no, I just like a cello. Oh, so in chapel and they're come. No, 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 no. I pursue peace. When I go home, also you change that. You understand? Also we make peace now. It takes effort. It takes work. You never come automatically. You think your wife talks too much? It takes work. Your husband is moody? Takes work. Unreasonable, childish work. Pursue peace. Never come automatically. Sometimes we expect magical results without effort. Or never come. You also never come, not only in our church, but in the police. It doesn't simply come by signing some document. We, we've appended our signatures. These are the rules. Unless you work at implementing those rules. Again, from the New Living Translation, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone so that it would be said of you, Blessed are you, because you are a peacemaker, you shall be called the sons of God. Pursue peace, proclaiming the gospel, working hard, heeding the biblical injunctions, 
employing all biblical methods. If you are a counselor, that's your area of expertise. You are a peacemaker. Pursue peacemaking from the biblical perspective. You are a parent. You know this is what you probably do every day when your children fight. You tell them, don't fight. You are brother and sister. Don't beat your young sister. You must protect her. You are pursuing peace. <laughs> you are in courtship. You are in relationship. And it's headed towards the wedding. That's when sparks fly. Even the smallest of things just pushes you over the edge. Few times you've gotten a phone call as a pastor and the question is, I think death push. And you're asking the question, Nishu life push Not a wedding If you let push a wedding long, we can do the marriage. Peacemaking takes hard work. Lastly, the blessing they will be called the sons of God. And the implication is simply a straightforward one. They will be affirmed who they are. They will be affirmed who they are. They will be called the sons of God. They will simply affirm. That's what children of God do. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons. Children. The family of God. This is how they look like. They look like their father. They look like their elder brother. If God is the source of peace, his children must pursue this peace. The sense of this blessing is that they are acknowledged as having fulfilled what membership in the family really means. The beatitude is a challenge to all believers to aspire to fulfill what it really means to belong to the family of God. You came into this family by the process of the gospel. You continue and live in this family by continuing to demonstrate that characteristic. The quality of peacemaking is the mark of God which his children must be demonstrating because family shares characteristics. God is the supreme maker. But now in Christ Jesus, you are once where far off have been brought near by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 17 of Ephesians chapter 2. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near, Gentiles and Jews. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father and we must show the characteristic by which we are brought in this family. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, making peace by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The burden for this evening is simply this statement. You know, any among us that are not living at peace, be a peacemaker. Do you have anybody with whom you have something against? Or they have something against you? Pursue peace. Oh, but be involved in the primary means of pursuing peace. The proclamation of the gospel.
Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children, sons of God. Are you? The hymn writer would say the following words. I will hold the Christ light to you in the night time of your fear. I will hold my hand out to you. Speak the peace you long to hear. Will you in that sense be a brother and sister's keeper? Let's pursue peace. That's what sons or children of God do. Amen.